The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. From our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon, and this is Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm a political analyst for WGN TV and radio in Chicago, and a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC. You can read my column on the presidential race in The Hill every Sunday. Just Google. Brad Bannon in the Hill. My most recent contribution to the Hill is my indictment of Donald Trump's response to the racially motivated murders in El Paso last week. My company, Bannon Communications Research, pulls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling and communications company, go to facebook.com front slash Bannon communications research. That's facebook.com front slash Bannon communications research. My Twitter handle, where you can reach me if you want to, is at Brad Bannon. My thanks to executive producer Mark Grimaldi, who keeps me in line and makes sure the trains run on time, which is no easy job around here, by the way. Our guest today in the first half hour is Christian Heine, vice president for policy at the, at the Brady. Tom Opel, vice president of the American Sustainable Business Council, joins our own Mark Grimaldi for the provocative progressive political panel in the second half hour. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and my my guest, call us at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. These are the questions that we'll discuss today in the first half hour of the show. Inquiring minds want to know, whether or not it's t- the time is right for sensible laws to control gun violence, or are we just still stuck in the same mud? Two, what can Americans do to stop gun violence with institutional barriers like the conservative Supreme Court and the Senate filibuster rule that prevent real reform? And finally, whatever happened to the country that elected Barack Obama twice and had a ban on assault weapons. Now we have Donald Trump, and we can't even get universal background checks passed. Every time I think about the campaign for uh, gun, to control gun violence, I think of uh, Warren's Vion song, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Uh, We have lots of lawyers in the Senate, uh, and we have little discussion of guns, 
and a lot of money, much of it supplied by the National Rifle Association. Our guest in this half hour is Christian Heine, Vice President for Policy at Brady, an organization that unites Americans from coast to coast, red and blue in every color, to end gun violence. Christian leads all legislative efforts at the federal and state level. Prior to assuming this position, Christian served as a legislative director at the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, Christian. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Now, uh, to start this off, I'd like you, I think our listeners would like to know how you got involved in the uh, movement to stop gun violence. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that. And um, uh, frankly, I, I came to the movement the way that um, so many people come to the gun violence prevention movement. I, um, in in 2005, I, I'm from Thousand Oaks, California, right? And, and in 2005, my parents went for a weekend vacation up to our lake house. Um, they just went to, and had, had an amazing time. You know, they spent, they had the dogs out there. Uh, they spent the weekend getting sunburned and eating fried chicken. <clears throat> and when they came back um, to return the boat, they had borrowed the boat from my dad's best friend. Um, a man lay in wait to kill my dad's best friend. Um, he, he had a, a backpack full of three weapons, and because my parents were there, um, he turned the gun on them as well. Uh, my dad ended up uh, getting shot three times. Um, my mom, uh, she had the opportunity to run away, but as neighbors described it, you know, she had stayed. She was actually trying to keep my dad's best friend alive. <clears throat> she was able to run about 10 steps um, before she was shot and killed in the back uh, with a single bullet. Um, this gunman went on to terrorize, you know, our, neighbor, our neighborhood, our community um, for, for two days. And, and ultimately, at the tail end of that, uh, in, in his wake, he had killed my mother. He had killed another mother. He had put uh, those uh, the the children of that mother into the um, both of them, both children into the ICU. Um, he killed my dad's best friend. Uh, he wounded my father. My dad survived his wounds. He wounded a police officer who also survived his wounds, and ultimately took his life in a Walmart down the street. And uh, you know, once we were able to collect the pieces and and sort of. Um, really get down to the nuts and bolts of how this was able to happen, what we, what we discovered was is that there's so many loopholes riddled systematically, you know, um, placed throughout our, our legal code um, with regards to guns. It, it's that no community can really ever feel safe uh, from gun violence. And, and, and from then on, I have been, you know, working my hardest to, to try to tackle that issue and see where there is common sense, what does the evidence tell us, and, and how can we do better how can we balance that right between, you know, the responsible law-abiding gun owner who, who, who wants to have a firearm for whatever reason uh, and, and also make sure that we're properly screening people, that people who, who have weapons are adequately trained? Um, how do we sort of insert common sense into our gun laws? And, and I'm just so proud to be here at Brady to be able to bring that voice and that mission, um, you know, with, with an organization that has the legacy that Brady does have at, at getting just that done. Okay. Uh, Christian, we're going to go to break now, uh, but when we uh, get back with more of Bra Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, we will continue our conversation with Christian Heine, Vice President Policy at the Brady. We'll be back after these messages. 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. which was a busy one for the president, who oversaw the largest single-state ice raid in U.S. history, retweeted conspiracy theories about the death of Jeffrey Epstein, and visited the sites of last week's mass shootings, which went exactly as well as you'd expect. Some of President Trump's own aides are conceding his visits to two cities in mourning didn't go as planned after new video shows him bragging about crowd sizes while at a hospital in El Paso. I was here three months ago. We made a speech and we had a state. What was the name of the arena? That place was packed, right? And there was some crowd. Thank you. And we had twice the number outside. And then you had this crazy Beto. Beto had like 400 people (laughs) in a parking lot. They said his crowd was wonderful. Wow. Look, we all know how much Trump struggles to do the bare minimum of being a president, but it's still genuinely shocking just how much he struggles to do the bare minimum of being a f***ing person. Because just consider the thought process that happened there. He visited a hospital filled with victims of a mass shooting and thought to himself, remember that other time when I was the centre of attention and it was better? And then, and then he thought, do you think anyone else remembers that? Then he thought, I should remind them, right? Then he thought, great idea. Then he thought... Thank you. Then he thought, Ivanka. Then he thought, no time. And then he said it. And he was happy with how it sounded. But Trump's pathological lack of empathy should not distract us from the important question right now, which is what action, if any, will be taken on guns? Because while you're kind of conditioned at this point to think absolutely none, pressure is building. When Ohio Governor Mike DeWine spoke at a vigil following the Dayton shooting, the crowd made it painfully clear that they wanted action. What we do tonight by this amazing crowd is to say to them that we love you, we care very, very deeply about you. You know you're doing a bad job when people are yelling, do something at you. (laughs) Not even try a different position or like that but to the left. Just do something. The universal complaint for men putting in less than 0% everywhere. So so it is pretty clear that support for meaningful gun reform is there. But as always, a key obstacle is the NRA, an organisation whose former president once famously said, you can have his gun when you pry it from his cold, dead hands. That was John Oliver talking about Donald Trump's um, amazing lack of empathy. I'm sure you've seen the picture of... uh, Trump in El Paso holding, uh, he and his wife are holding the uh, baby uh, whose parents were killed in the massacre at El Paso. The president is smiling, grinning from cheek to cheek with his thumbs up. And I wonder to myself, that kid is probably going to look at the picture years from now and think to himself or herself, uh, what was the president thinking? How insensitive could the man be? Anyway, uh, our guest in this half hour is uh, Christian Heine. Uh, He is the Vice President for Policy at Brady, an organization that unites Americans from coast to coast, red and blue in every color, to end gun violence. Uh, Christian, you probably as much as anybody can understand and empathize with the uh, victim, the families of the victims of the shootings in El Paso and Dayton last week. What what can you tell them that 
will give them hope that uh, this is just not going to happen over and over again? Yeah, that, you know, that's a, that's a great question. And I think, you know, speaking to <clears throat> survivors and sort of what we call, you know, the club that none of us wish we were part of, um, you know, there's there's not much to say, right? There's there's nothing that we can do that will bring our loved ones back. And I, and the point you raise is an important one because so many issues we deal with in politics, the results can be abstract, right? They can be about um, dollars and cents. They can be about um, naming rights of certain things, this and that. What we're talking about here are are you know individuals, brothers, mothers, uh, children. Um, you know, entire communities whose lives are forever changed because of the inaction here in Washington, D.C. You know, gun violence to me, <clears throat> you know, even though 100 people are going to die because of guns, because at the hands of guns today, um, you know, for me, gun violence looks like uh, the individual touches. You know, the fact that I can't call my mom today after work, the fact that at my wedding day there was an empty chair in the front row that, that was noticeably, visibly missing. Uh, the fact that my mother will never uh, know the joy of being a grandmother, um, that my wife will never have the opportunity to ever meet uh, the most wonderful woman in my life. You know, that's what gun violence looks like to so many of us in the country. And, and that is what we should be focused on, is how can we, how can we do right by them? Because we've already arrived here too late. Um, but let's not, let's not put other families at the same risk. We, we have the power and we can do it. We could do it tomorrow. Uh, we know the solutions. We just need uh, legislators with the courage to do what's right. Uh, you're the vice president uh, for policy at Brady. Can you tell our listeners what Brady and you and Brady are doing to end this, try to end the cycle of gun, gun violence in this country? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we at Brady are trying uh, to take, uh, you know, to evaluate um, evidence and epidemiology, trying to take all of the information we have out in the world, trying to uh, come to um, a common sense solution, you know, come to a series of common sense solutions that we know exist out there, right? We know 90 plus percent of Americans support universal background checks. We know um, the latest polls on even assault weapons bans, you know, 70% of Americans uh, in the wake of these shootings, you know, and, and a majority of Republicans support even something as, as, as strong as an assault weapons ban. And there's a lot in between, right, extreme risk laws, <clears throat> which, um, you know, utilize evidence to see how can we temporarily remove guns from people most at risk of dangerous behavior, um, so on and so forth. How do we take these policies and, and, and what the Americans really want, and how do we change the, the narrative here on Capitol Hill, the only building you know, in, in, the, in the world um, that doesn't know how simple these solutions can be, and how do we, how do we change the culture, how do we change the, the power, the political power and the political high ground to get those things done? And, and we've been doing it for decades, right? Jim Brady, um, the Brady, Brady in general is named after Jim and Sarah Brady, Jim Brady being uh, uh, Ronald Reagan's press secretary who, who was shot in the crossfire during the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan's life, a Republican who said, we need to do something better. We need this to not be partisan. We need to address this head on and, and eventually <clears throat> led to the enactment of the Brady bill um, which requires background checks in the first place. That was the start of a of a long term legacy, um, but we know we need to do more, and, and so we're trying to carry on Jim and Sarah's legacy by doing what's right today. Okay, 
Uh, by the way, uh, if our listeners would like to know more about the organization, uh, the website for Brady is bradyunited.org, and the Twitter handle is at BradyBuzz. Uh, a lot of Americans, Kristen, feel incredibly frustrated about this issue. Uh, they see these killings on and on. Nothing ever happens in Washington uh, to do anything about it. Uh, and, you know, they look at the fact we've, I mean, for instance, it, the House of Representatives has passed a uh, bill eared at curbing uh, gun violence. Uh, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell refuses even to debate the bill or certainly put it, the House bill, to a vote uh, in uh, the Senate. Uh, we have a conservative majority, 5-4 majority in, in the Supreme Court. In America, I think many Americans feel frustrated. Uh, how can we break through that? Uh, what can Americans do to help Brady uh, end the cycle of gun violence? Look, uh, Americans have been doing it. You know, we have seen uh, incredible strides taken in a really short period of time here, you know, <clears throat> really since, since the horrific shooting that, that shook America awake when, when, you know, we witnessed the, the horrors that, that took place in, in Newtown, Connecticut in 2013. Um, ever since then, you know, uh, people have, have made this a top priority, and, and as a result, uh, every statewide election, every sort of uh, state legislature, um, and and uh, you know every every time that this issue comes up via voter referendum, we continue to make progress that is that is monumental, that is uh, new, and that is important. Um, and uh, there's no you know all the way leading up to what just happened um, in this last election when we when we voted for a gun sense majority. Um, in the House of Representatives, which led to the passage of the bills that you're referring to, um, you know, we're going to keep making that progress. And 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 if you know, we've heard uh, Republican okay. leadership in the Senate, you know, say this kind of stuff before. I was sitting. In okay, the thank you, Kristen. Uh, sadly, we've run out of time. I want to uh, thank Christian. I want to uh, recommend him, Christian uh, Heine, uh, Vice President for Policy at Brady which is an organization that unites Americans coast to coast to end gun violence. The NRA has successfully fought legislation for decades now, although it's currently in the midst of an internal shit show. It all started last year when federal investigators started looking into whether a Russian agent had used the NRA to infiltrate Republican politics, which is already comfortably bad enough. But then the New York State AG started looking into their tax-exempt status because the NRA is technically a non-profit. And it turns out there's been some very suspicious expenditures. In May, leaked documents showed the group's longtime leader, Wayne LaPierre, may have misused member dues, spending nearly $300,000 on designer clothes. $300,000 on clothes? How? <laughs> Wayne LaPierre 
appears to only own a single suit. And it wasn't just suits, there were also allegations of misspending on lavish travel expenses, all of which was infuriating for many NRA members and employees, since the organisation has been running deficits of as much as $40 million and has even eliminated free coffee at its headquarters and frozen the employees' pension plan. And things got even worse this week when this story broke. The CEO of the NRA, Wayne LaPierre, wanted the gun lobby to buy him a $6 million house in Texas, in part over fears for his safety, after the Parkland school shooting last year. Wow. So, putting aside the head of the NRA claiming he needs a mansion because other people got shot. And as if all this weren't enough, board members are also now questioning the large amount paid to the group's ad agency, Ackerman McQueen, which was responsible for creating and running... NRA TV. Obviously, the death of NRA TV is a tragedy. Thoughts and prayers to all those affected. But, but the bottom line here is that for the first time in a while, things are not actually looking great for the NRA. So, does this mean that gun control could finally happen? Mitch McConnell has hinted at action on background checks, but he's also refused to recall the Senate and might well be hoping that by the time it's back in session, the pressure will be off. Meanwhile, the president has said that he's willing to stand up to the NRA, but he's also a liar. I guess what I'm really saying here is a weakened NRA is nice, sure. But the only way things are really going to change is if lawmakers continue to feel the pressure to, and if I may quote that Ohio crowd, do something. Okay, that was uh, John Oliver again, this time talking about the uh, uh, crazy people at the NRA. Uh, I don't know what to say about the NRA. I've read press accounts that they're uh, in grave financial problem. Uh, they've got all sorts of internal political problems, and hopefully uh, they won't be able to be the kind of force they have, financial and otherwise, in stopping the uh, campaign to stop gun violence. You can only hope. Anyway, uh, it's time uh, for our provocative progressive political panel. Uh, joining us on the panel today... Uh, is Tom Opel, who is the Executive Vice President of the American Sustainable Business Council. And we also have our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, who is a progressive political activist. Uh, let's start with this, gents. Uh, looking at the Democratic uh, presidential candidates... Uh, they have, there are a number of issues that Americans are concerned about and Democratic primary voters are concerned about. We've got income inequality, uh, climate change, uh, immigration, uh, racism, uh, gun violence, and the latest Trump outrage of the week. So my question to you gentlemen is, uh, if you were advising a Democratic presidential candidate, and Tom has probably had uh, uh, the opportunity to do this, how would you uh, advise them to prioritize these issues? Uh, Tom, you want to start? Uh, <clears throat> sure, Brad. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. Um, I, I have to go back to uh, you know sort of what I think is a fundamental of politics. Campaigns are about one thing, and that's the voters. Uh, so if I were talking to any of the presidential candidates, I would say to them, uh, you know, put yourself in the voters' shoes. 
and talk about the issues that they're concerned about. Uh, there are a lot of very serious issues. I think uh, the Mueller report made it clear that this president had a minimum obstructed justice if he didn't, uh, you know, if he didn't collude with the Russians. Um, but as important as that is, and I do think it's important, what really concerns most Americans these days is health care, uh, is the economy, and, and how it is unequal. Um, and I think the most important issue, frankly, is, is climate change. You know, the analogy I've said before is when your house is burning uh, and the kids are upstairs in the bedroom, uh, the first priority, no matter what else is going on in that house, is get the kids out of the house and get the fire out. And I think that's the analogy to climate change. Okay, Mark, uh, do you want to weigh in on this? You know, I think uh, Tom makes some really strong points, and I think th- the way that you look at it is the the way that I think when it's your family, you know, you think about how it would affect them and you want to protect them and do what's right for them. And you have to be able to talk all uh, about all of them because they're all important. I mean, think about your own family. You know, for instance, Brad, you know me well. We've we've known each other for over a decade. I have two- and four-year-old little girls, and I want them to be safe when they go to school. You know, my four-year-old last year was in pre-K, and they were doing, you know, they didn't call them this, but active shooter drills, basically just to the things to learn to, to what to do in case something like that happens. And it's really scary. And, you know, I but I will tell you, I see the power of having legislation that makes a difference. I live in New York State where they passed the SAFE Act and they have the clips with no more than 10 bullets. And if you look at the shooting, for instance, in El Paso and I believe in Dayton as well, they have the clips that are larger. They can get off more rounds. There's just certain things you can do to make a community safer. What the government is supposed to do is help come up with solutions or help citizens also come up with solutions to make their lives better. And I think the other issue, um, in addition to health care, because in addition to it already costing too much for some families, the Trump administration and Lindsey Graham just came out yesterday uh, and said if they win the election in 2020, they're going to repeal Obamacare. That's their plan. And that's going to kick something like 30 million people up to 30 million people off their health insurance. And it's going to affect people who have private plans. And amongst all this, Tom hits the nail on the head. The biggest issue is climate change, because with all these other things going on around us, it literally can rock your entire world, including your home. Uh, It affects everything. And unless we do something about it, it's just going to continue to get worse. So the the candidate, I think, uh, like President Obama, I think was very successful at doing, was addressing all these issues head on with real solutions and pressuring Congress as much as he could to act, Um, but also talking about it. and, And when you had a situation like in El Paso or in President Obama's case, like a new town, you grieve with the American people and you speak in a way that unites them as a leader, not the way that Trump has done as a divider. And we heard those awful clips of him talking about crowd size to the victims in El Paso and holding an orphan child who was murdered by someone who was motivated in part by the racist and white supremacist ideas that he has spouted off. So that's that's what we need. We need a leader who can address all these issues for the American people. 
Okay, uh, I think uh, we're going to go to break now. Uh, we have a caller on the line, uh, Reggie on line two from Georgia, and uh, we will have Reggie on after the break along with our panel. Uh, Tom Opel, the Executive Vice President of the American Sustainable Business Council, and our own Mark Gomaldi. We'll be back right after these messages. Okay, we are back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. And this, of course, is the provocative progressive uh, political panel. Joining us on the panel today are Tom uh, Tom Opel, who is the Executive Vice President of the American Sustainable Business Council, and our own Executive Producer, Mark Grimaldi. We have co- two callers on the line, so we'll get to them right now. Uh, first, our good friend, uh, who we haven't heard from for a while, but I'm always glad to hear from Reggie, from Georgia, who's on line too. Reggie, how you doing? Happy Monday to you, to you all. Brad, Marky, Martin, your guests, and you guys' guests, too. Well, I would just like to say that the only, well, the only true way to get rid of the NRA is to uh, keep money, keep funds, stop funding them, and tell them to go pound rock, gravel, and sand, and, and to basically go screw themselves and screw off. But, unfortunately, just like everything else, the NRA is down but not entirely out because in the, in the immortal words of all the Schwarzenegger for the Terminator, from the Terminator, they'll be back, you know. And uh, and you got their gun fetishes, gun nuts, like for such as Dana Loach and everybody, and Ted Nugent and everybody else who like to fantasize. Before and after dinner, playing, you know, playing Dirty Harry, G.I. Joe, Rambo, Robocop, and yes, oh yes, as I mentioned before, or just mentioned, the Terminator. You know, shooting cans and stuff on the back of their fences in their backyard with their beloved assault weapon or slash rifle. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Uh, Reggie, uh, thanks for calling and keep calling in. Tom, do you want to respond to uh, Reggie? The uh, Well, the thing I would say, Brad, is I spent eight years in the Pentagon working for the Secretary of the Navy and I, I will tell you that nine out of ten of the people I met in uniform, the people who actually are trained on the kinds of weapons that we've seen all too often on American streets and in malls and movie theaters, will tell you that military weapons have no business in those places. Uh, military weapons should be left to a battlefield uh, or to a military training uh, uh, facility, period. Um, you know, I, and that's that's true for for most of the military people I know, it's true, I think, for most of law enforcement who will tell you the last thing they want to see is somebody coming up with body armor and 100, you know, 100-round magazines. Uh, you know, it's one thing to, to keep a weapon for personal safety or for hunting, um, but I, I think it's pretty clear that uh, even the, the people who wrote the Constitution made it clear that the first opening lines of that Second Amendment are about a well-regulated militia. It's not every person in the world can own whatever gun they want. Um, and I think we're—I uh, think the Supreme Court has missed that point too. If you go back and read the Federalist, uh, read Alexander Hamilton, Federalist Twenty Nine. He makes it pretty clear he's not talking about uh, every person belonging even in the militia, but he is talking about a well-trained militia. So. Um, we need to we need to do something 
background checks and red flag laws are just to start. Uh, we need to really get at least military-style weapons out of the hands of people who uh, who aren't trained on them and really don't need them for any any real purpose. They're built to kill people, and that's it. Okay. Uh, Mark, you want to weigh in? You know, there's few issues that have as wide of support as universal background checks, and it's a no-brainer. Um, I mean, I'll give you the recent polls. The uh, NPR PBS NewsHour slash Marist has them at 90% support uh, across the political aisle, okay? And then even uh, Quinnipiac, uh, as recently as just a few months ago, had universal background checks for all gun buyers at 94% overall. And the breakdown for that is 98% of Democrats, 94% of independents, and 92% of Republicans. I mean, I can't think of one other single issue that has anything even remotely close to that much support across the political spectrum. And it, and it, it's a no-brainer as far as safety. I mean, if you're if you're going to have a gun and you're going to use it properly, then what are you afraid of with a background check? It's it's the only reason that these aren't there are because the gun manufacturers want to sell more guns, so they give money to the NRA to funnel it into Congress through our lax campaign finance finance laws to buy these to buy this in action right now. I mean, it's as clear as day. So that's the problem we have to break through. Okay, we also have our good friend Michael from the Bronx on the line. Uh, he is on line one. Uh, Michael, uh, what do you think today? Hello, gentlemen. Uh, allow me, as always, or usual, to try to bring some sanity and peace into this. And it comes down to simple common sense to debunk this right-wing talk of, oh, they're coming to take our guns, they're coming to take our guns, they're coming to take our guns. Well, point in, point in fact here, if you commit a crime, with the use of a gun, what do you think happens to that gun? What do you think police do with that gun besides arresting you on the spot? They will take your guns. So the thing is, is that if you don't want your guns taken, if you're complying with the laws, the Constitution, and safety, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Just follow the example of Mark Kelly and former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords, who was shot as a result of right-wing hateful rhetoric. Add to that, if you want to put a red flag on the NRA, someone sent me a link from history.com, and I'll brace yourselves for this. The NRA did support gun control when the Black Panthers had the weapon back in the 60s. Now what, NRA? Uh, Tom, uh, do you want to comment uh, for Michael? Really right. Uh, you know there are uh, there are there are pictures from the '60s with the Black Panther Party um, holding weapons, and um, and law enforcement and others were very nervous about it. Um, you know, and we've seen this again and again. Uh, circumstances where an African American individual walking down the street with the same kind of weapon that a white man is walking down the street with. And the reaction uh, uh, is, is, is completely different. Uh, unfortunately, it's true of guns. It's true in a lot of other cases as well, all too often true. But, uh, but you know, Michael's right. Uh, 
and and Mark, you know, pointing out in the polls. I I can't think, and uh, Brad, you and I will will probably be on the the minority side of this, but I can't think of an issue that gets 94 percent in this country, with the possible exception of the people who were uh, opposed to the Patriots winning the Super Bowl this past. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I you know I've been in the public opinion business a long time, probably too long. And, you know, it's true. You Not nearly seen... long enough, Brad. Yeah. Um, some people would disagree with you, Tom. Uh, but I can't well, think of wrong. anything else either. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's what makes one of the things that makes Americans so frustrated, not only with this issue problem, but with the system in general. You have you have an issue here, a, a remedy which more than 90 percent of the American public uh, approves of. And nothing happens. And I think that's why, you know, many Americans question the, you know, the, the viability of the system. Well, let me let me uh, ask you, ask a question about that. Um, it intrigues me. Uh, when uh, Bill Clinton was president, um, he was actually get, able to uh, get Congress to pass an assault weapons ban. And my question is, why were we able to get an assault weapons ban while Bill Clinton was president and not get one uh, when Barack Obama was president? In fact, Barack Obama couldn't even get the background check. And I remember seeing a poll at the time when uh, soon after Barack Obama called for Congress to pass the universal background check, and it was like 92 percent. And he couldn't get the Senate to pass the thing. So what changed that allowed Bill Clinton to get it, but Barack Obama couldn't get it uh, all those years afterwards? Tom? Well, you know, Brad, I'm not sure that this is exactly the difference or exactly the reason. But I, I do think two things uh, are, are, are corrupting our political system, one of which did happen after um, or, or during the Clinton administration. I can't remember the dates, actually. But, you know, people talk about the Electoral College and the presidency. I will tell you there are two fundamental changes that I think we could make that would have a huge impact on our politics and a huge impact on our ability to actually act in a way that the American people want us to act. The first is the Citizens United decision, which I think is just a just atrocious to, to somehow, uh, you know, recognize corporations as people for purposes of of spending money in political campaigns and voting, it, it's it's crazy. And it has removed, in many ways, the transparency that Mark was talking about earlier. Um, I, I think that single decision was just uh, – has such a corrupting influence uh, and the ability of money to influence. And now it's not one person, one vote. It's one dollar, one vote. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. Well, that's all the time we have today, sadly, for uh, DC uh, Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I want to thank our guest, uh, Christian Heine, uh, Vice President for Policy at Brady, uh, Tom Opel, the Executive Vice President of the American Sustainable Business Council, and our own Executive Producer, Mark Grimaldi. That's all for today. But I'm here every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise and if Donald Trump doesn't clear martial law. Talk to you next week, everyone. From the kids to Aunt Sue. 
Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.